0: He did it right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. There were certain areas in which Amaziah struggled in and that prevented him from reigning Judah with a perfect heart. That prevented him from being all in for God. We only really saw a glimpse of what happened at camp and what God did at camp but you know my words can't even begin to do justice to what God did at camp this week and it's just been an amazing past week i remember when i was talking with my girlfriend about just camp and i just i i just couldn't stop talking about it i kept talking about every single camper and how the decisions that they made and it was just has been such an amazing week of camp Especially being a leader to these great group of teens, I, I was more than happy. I was blessed. I'm blessed to have uh, to be a leader to these teenagers, and just the camp. Everything about camp this year, it just felt like it was it was amazing. For the past couple of years, you know, me and Pastor Tim and all the interns, we're always trying to find the proper balance between camp being competitive and camp being you know friendly towards one another. We've had some years where it was super competitive, and so outside of the field, it would become very toxic. We've also had some years where there was no competition at all, and no one really tried in anything. But this year, it seems that we hit that balance. People were competitive on the, on the court, but friendly and kind outside of it. And even though we were playing during 35 degree weather, the teens still gave their 100%, they were all in. So games wise, we had a blast, and we made lots of great memories. And just speaking generally, I think all the leaders can testify that it's just a treat to be around the campers. To just talk with the campers. Talk about what they're feeling. Talk about how God is working in their lives. I love talking with the seniors. I love talking with the young ones who are just entering into the youth group. We have the the, the core of the youth group right here. It's going to be in in four years. Levi, Cody, Lance, Ayo. These are going to be the next guys up. Four guys are leaving, but four guys are entering the youth group. And it's exciting as a leader. I felt a great camaraderie between us all, as Dennis said. Let's not even forget about the food. Some of the guys were talking about how amazing the food was. What was your favorite meal? I think this year, I don't know if the team agree, but this has been the best year in terms of food. We had sausage, McEggers, what is it called? I don't forget what it's called, whatever, it doesn't matter. We had those, uh, basically like McDonald's uh, breakfast muffins. We had cream of corn, I love cream of corn. Everybody didn't like the cream of corn that much, but I love the cream of corn. Uh, We had burgers, we had all sorts of great food, it was amazing. And for me, for all of us, I think the cherry on top was a testimony time. It was what, two and a half hours? We had two and a half hours of testimony time. And each and every single one, every single testimony that I heard that night was such a blessing. So to everyone who prayed for the success of teen camp, who has contributed to teen camp, who supported the teens, to everyone, I would like to thank you. Because without your prayers, none of this would have happened, and we wouldn't be able to experience this amazing week of camp. But the focal point of teen camp is not the games, not the night games, not the field games, not the chapel games, it's not the social interactions between campers, nor is it the food or the testimony time. The focal point of camp is the preaching during the chapel sessions. Getting our hearts right and getting our our, our Christian walk back on track. This year, if you have not noticed already from the, the testimony video, the theme was All In. All In. The character we looked at and studied throughout the week was one of the kings of Judah named Amaziah. If you look at all the the lives of the kings of judah and israel throughout the reign of the kings at the end of their lives the bible said that they were either evil in the sight of the lord or that they did right in the sight of the lord it was one of those two you either did evil or you did right in the sight of the lord but with amaziah we see a unique phrase that was only attributed to him so hopefully teens you still remember what is our text passage 2nd Chronicles 25 yes sir so let's go to 2nd Chronicles chapter 25 and let's just read the first two verses of 2nd Chronicles chapter 25 Okay, let's read verses 1 and 2. Amaziah was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. He did right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. There were certain areas in which Amaziah struggled in and that prevented him from reigning Judah with a perfect heart. That prevented him from being all in for God. And so tonight, I'll be giving you the camp experience, the chapel, evening chapel experience, and we'll be going through the four areas of weakness that Amaziah had that prevented him from being all in for God. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this Youth Sunday. And it's been such a great blessing hearing the youth sing, hearing their testimony, just even reliving some of the highlights of camp, hearing the testimony from Dennis and Andre. Lord, this past week, you blessed incredibly. And I pray that we would just be able to be reminded of the things that we learned from camp. All of these things that Amaziah struggled with that prevented him from being all in. I pray that we would be reminded and for the adults to be encouraged by the the, the message that is about to be given. I pray this all in your name. Amen. So on Monday night, Brother Patrick preached on Amaziah's first area of weakness. And now mind you, for three of these four points, Because Brother Patrick preached on Monday, uh, Brother Tadala on Wednesday, Brother uh, Pastor Tim on on Thursday night. I can't do any of their messages justice. They preach their messages well. And so I can only really give you the general idea behind their points, behind their messages. But I won't be able to replicate. You will just have to come next year. But some of you can't. You're not allowed to because you're not teens. The first area of weakness, teens, what is the answer? Bad influence. Ayo knows all the answers. The first area of weakness was the bad influences that Amaziah allowed into his life. Now mind you, Amaziah wasn't lacking in the good influences department. In his life, we see that he makes two major decisions. And in both of those times, God sent a prophet to help him in his decision-making process. God was aware of the things he was about to decide and God, from what we've seen, God constantly sent prophets his way to affect his decision making. Godly counsel was provided and given to Amaziah. So he wasn't lacking in the good influencers department. We saw the, the, the power of a good influence when it comes to looking at the life of Samuel in regards to Saul. I know we know Saul that he eventually went off the deep end But in the beginning, the the man who was there for Saul, that was guiding him, that was helping him with decisions, was Samuel. We see the power of a good influence. Amaziah had that. But nevertheless, instead of allowing himself to be influenced by the godly counsel, by God, by these prophets, he allowed himself to be influenced by something much more wicked. In 2 Chronicles 25, Let's go, let's look at verse 14. Now it came to pass, after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Sar and set them up to be his gods, bowed down himself before them, and burned incense unto them. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people? Which, co- which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand. Instead of cons- constantly just listening to the good, good godly influences in his life, he took in the Edomite gods into his heart. He allowed these false gods, he allowed these false deities to influence him. Now I wish I could replicate the amazing illustration that Brother Patrick uh, gave during that night. Brother Patrick, he brought, it, he brought with him uh, a rope. The same rope that we use for tug-of-war He used this rope to hammer the point of influences in our life Essentially, there's a game of of tug-of-war Happening between the good and bad influences in our life They're playing tug-of-war They're trying to determine who gets control of our hearts The bad influences are tugging as hard as possible The good influences are tugging as hard as possible as well they're both trying to determine who gets the, the, the primary control of that over that individual's heart. On one side, we have their ungodly influences. For teenagers, it's their unsafe friends. It's social media. It's so-and-so. But on the other side are the good influences they have. The saved family, saved friends, pastors, church leaders. Both sides have lots of parties involved. But Brother Patrick illustrated this following point well. It doesn't matter how many good influences you have in your life. It doesn't matter how many Christian friends you have. It doesn't matter how many Christian leaders you have. It doesn't matter how many pastors you have on your side. If you are allowing the bad influences in your life, your friends, your whatever, social media, to get more influence over you, the good influences in your heart are not going to be able to pull you to their side. It's a matter of letting, of, of limiting the influences these things have on our hearts. We can't be giving more pulling power to the bad influences, to our unsaved friends, to social media. We need to give more pulling power to godly examples. Our friends, our saved friends, our, 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 our amazing parents, our, our pastors, our Christian leaders. Now I know this is more prevalent with the youth. With the youth. Teens tend to be easily shaped by the, by the friends they have in school. I mean, the, the senior guys, the four senior guys, they were able to give 10-minute sermons during the Thursday morning. And each of them, for at least even for a small amount of time, talked about the, the power of influence. Because all four of them, during high school, they struggled with having uh, wrong influences. The friends you make, the people that you decide will, uh, that you allow to influence your life, can make or break really your, your future. If you allow bad people to control your life, you're going to go down a bad road as well. But as adults, we also have things, we also have people that negatively influence us, and that we allow to pull us away from God. Just because you get you 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 become a young adult or you become a full fledged adult doesn't mean that the bad influences disappear and that they just completely get erased from existence. No, we still have. Bad influences. We, we can still have ungodly friends. We can still have ungodly social media. We can still have ungodly media exposure. We can still have bad influences controlling our hearts. Amaziah, let these Edomite gods control his. We have to watch out for what controls ours. We have to be wary of wrong influences. On Tuesday night, I preached on Amaziah's second area of weaknesses. There were two, as I've said in Brother Patrick's point, there were two instances in Amaziah's life where God sent a prophet to instruct him. Let's go to verses 7 and 8. We find the first instance in verses 7 to 8 of chapter 25. But there came a man of God to him, saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel, to wit with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it, be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. Amaziah, this was before he took in the gods, the Edomite gods, he was about to go to war with the Edomites. But there was a problem. He was undermanned, he was understaffed. He only had 300,000 soldiers. In times prior, they had millions of soldiers, but at this low point in Judah's uh, Judah's, uh, history, they only had a, a few soldiers comparatively. So Amaziah thought it was a good idea to get more soldiers to make a a, a transaction with the nation of Israel and to give them 100 100 talents which is equivalent to $100,000 in in exchange for 100,000 additional soldiers from their army. But this prophet was sent by God to advise Amaziah not to go through with his decision to work with Israel. Why? Well, we know how Israel was. Was there a single good king that came out of Israel? No. All of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. And at this point in their history, they were already a wicked nation who already dived headfirst into idolatry. And God didn't want that nation of Judah to work with the wicked nation of Israel. The prophet, this prophet, assured Amaziah that working with Israel would only end with your defeat in the battlefield. You think these 100,000 soldiers are going to help you, but they will in fact make you lose in the battlefield. So don't get their help. So Amaziah listened to the advice of the prophet. He ultimately obeyed God in this specific instance. Listening to this advice wasn't easy. He lost 100 talents. Some cities in Judah were pillaged by the Israelite soldiers because they were upset at being turned away and told to go home. So he lost. He had to sacrifice some things in order to obey the Lord. We can command Amaziah in this instance. And ultimately, listening to God resulted in him winning this battle. He won the battle against the Edomites, he slew 10,000 on the battlefield, and he took captive 10,000 more soldiers from the Edomites. Listening to God is a good thing, it gets you a good result. You would expect that the next time God sent a prophet to Amaziah that he would listen. But in the second instance in which God sent a prophet to advise Amaziah, we find the opposite. As I've said, after the battle with the Edomites, Amaziah took in their gods. He fell into idolatry. He started worshipping these gods. And God sent a prophet to go to him and tell him to get rid of these idols. Throw these idols away. They have done nothing for the Edomites and they'll do nothing for you. Get rid of those idols. You would expect he would listen because he profited from listening to the advice the first time. And surely you would think that he would learn to trust God, to trust the advice of God, to trust the commands of God. But in verse 16, we see another type of response. It came to pass... As he talked with him, that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear, why shouldest thou be smitten? Instead of listening to the second advice, he told the prophet to essentially shut up and be quiet, and threatened to kill that prophet who was just trying to help him. Amaziah's second area of weakness was his, teen's, Selective obedience. In some areas of his life, he was willing to obey God. But in some areas, he just did what he wanted to. And we possess this exact same flaw. There are some commands from God that it's easy for us to obey. Read your Bible. Okay, I'll do that. Pray every day. It'll be difficult to wake up early, but you know what? I'll try. I'll do my best. Attend church. Attend all three services of the week. That may require some sacrifice, but Lord, you know what? I, I, I'm willing to do those things. There are some commands that God gives us that are very easy for us to obey and doesn't require much sacrifice from us. So, that, so we are more than willing to do those things. You have no problem obeying those things, those simple commands. But there are other areas where God is commanding us to do something difficult. Something that requires lots of sacrifice on our end. And these are the commands that we... We, we, we choose to ignore. Selective obedience. Such as giving up the things and the people most precious to us. To teens, the things that they have to give up are maybe their high school friends that they grew up with. Those are the things that they need to give up with. But as adults, as parents specifically, are we willing to even give up our children? That sounds weird. But maybe there's a child here. You have a child who, are, who is being called into full-time ministry. Are you willing To give over that child to God and give him over to God's will? Or are you going to hold him back? Are you going to keep him away from God? That is a difficult thing to to do. To give up the things that are most precious to you and hand them over to God. That is difficult. But God is commanding some of us to do so. Are we willing to obey in that instance? How about sharing the gospel with friends and family? I know some people, they're they're just very naturally uh, inclined to share the gospel with their friends. They, they, they find no fear in that. It doesn't require too much courage in their part. But I think for the most of us, sharing the gospel is difficult because with sharing the gospel comes the fact that we might be ostracized or we might be insulted, mocked, and excluded from those groups. Are you willing to share the gospel with your friends, with your family, with people you don't even know? Are you willing to surrender your life to God? And are you willing to answer the call to full-time ministry? Yes, many of us may be willing to read our Bible, pray, and and attend church as much as we can, but are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to give our lives over to full-time ministry? Are we willing to give up the most precious things in our life? Are we willing to be a soul winner? We can't pick and choose which commands in the Bible that we decide to obey. I'll take a little bit from Genesis. I'll take a little bit from the book of Matthew. I'll take a little bit from the book of Psalms, but all these other commands, I'm just going to discard them. They're not necessary for my life. We can't do that with God's Word because we know that all Scripture is profitable for us. And if it's profitable, if all Scripture is profitable for us, then we need to make it a, a, a conviction to obey the Word of God as much as we can. We can't be selectively obedient. We must be willing to obey whatever God is commanding us to do. On Wednesday night, Brother Tadala preached a fiery message on Amaziah's third area of weakness. Does, does he even remember? Probably doesn't. Just kidding. And we see this area, the third area of weakness first surface in verse 11. Let's go to 25. You're always, you probably, if you didn't close your Bible, you'd still be in this chapter. But verse 11. And Amaziah strengthened himself and led forth his people and went to the valley of salt and smote the children of Seir. Ten thousand. At this point, the prophet had just finished advising Amaziah to not work with the Israelite soldiers. Uh, Amaziah listens to the advice, but now he's down 100 talents and he's also down 100,000 soldiers, which was about a quarter of his fighting men. Now he was entering the battle, undermanned once again and underpowered once again. This was a scary battle. It's not a, maybe it's not as scary as Jonathan and the armor-bearer going up against the Philistines, but it's nevertheless, this was still a pretty scary battle. Usually, it's in these bleak and scary situations that we, become, that we often become more reliant on God. When things are not looking good, and we have no solution for the problems at hand, these are the moments that we often become more reliant on God. We get on our knees. And pray even more fervently to God to help guide and empower us for the battles ahead. That's what we usually do in these situations. And you would think that Amaziah would do the same. That he would go to God directly to ask for strength, for wisdom, for guidance before entering the battle with the Edomites. But instead, what do we find? Amaziah strengthened himself. Amaziah strengthened himself. It doesn't say that Amaziah went down on his knees to pray and call to God for help. It didn't say that he trusted in God more. It didn't say that he was dependent on God more. It says that Amaziah strengthened himself. Yes, Amaziah listened to God. Yes, he listened to the advice. But ultimately, it seems that Amaziah was still relying on his own skills, on his own tactics, on his own power, and his own leadership in this impending battle. Because instead of going to God, He strengthened himself. He listened to God, but he wasn't reliant on God. You can do both. It's possible to obey God's command, but while doing that command, not rely on him for power, for strength. Amaziah's third area of weakness was pride. Ayo was waiting for that. Buzzed in immediately. And the definition Brother Tadala gave for pride was this. Thinking You can get through life without God. Thinking you can get through life without God. Amaziah won the battle. He did. But he thought that he won the battle because of his own skills. God was not even in his equation. He didn't bother to thank God. Anywhere in the passage, we don't actually see Amaziah thank God at all for for delivering the Edomites to, to the nation of Judah. He didn't thank God at all. You know why? Because he thought that it was his own leadership that resulted in the victory. He, was, he thought that it was because of his own might that the battle was won. Again, Brother Tadal gave a good illustration regarding this. I can't go into that. I, I don't really remember the specifics, the statistics of, of gambling. But people who win in gambling, they tend to think that they have the, the hot hand afterwards. They think that it was because of their own skill, the way they flipped that lever, the way they threw the dice. They believe that it was because of their own skill in doing these things that made them victorious in that situation of gambling. And so what happens? They keep on playing. They keep on playing. They play, they play, they play for years and years. And the longer you gamble, the more you lose eventually. So yes, they'll face some uh, occasional victories here and there, but ultimately they will lose the longer they play. They think that they have the hot hand, but it's all rigged. It wasn't because of them, their power in gambling, it's rigged. And Amaziah thought that he had the hot hand after that victory. He thought that because the battle was won, that it was because of his own merit that led the the nation of Judah to win over the Edomites. Which led to him blatantly disregarding the advice of the second prophet. He won the battle. And in his mind, it was all thanks to me. To so the moment he messed up and he took in the gods of the Edomites, in his mind, he's still thinking, I'm amazing, I'm amazing, I'm, I'm amazing. And the moment the second advice was given to him, he didn't care about this prophet. Be quiet. I'll just kill you right now. Why, why, why wouldn't I just kill you right now? Get off my Get out of my, my, my court. He didn't listen to the, the advice of the second prophet. Why? Because he was puffed up in pride. He thought that he was amazing. He thought that he was the, the reason why they won over the Edomites. But it wasn't. It was God. He didn't think he needed God anymore. Which is clear from the fact that he put his trust into the Edomite gods. If he truly trusted God and loved God, he wouldn't even think in a million years to adopt those Edomite gods to be his own. And where did his pride lead him? He ended up waging a war with Israel, the nation of Israel. Did he win that? No, he lost terribly. He was taken captive. He thought that he had the hot hand. So he waged a war with, he waged a battle that he couldn't win. And again, it was all part of God's sovereign plan. But nevertheless, he waged a war with Israel, thinking that he was all that, and he would lose terribly. Because of his pride, Amaziah put himself on the path of destruction and he would eventually lose everything that he had and he would meet a terrible end. Pride is dangerous. We've seen so many stories of people meeting their end, meeting their demise because they were prideful. And in order for us to be all in for God, we need to remain humble, continually confide in God instead of confiding in ourselves the definition to think that you can get through life without god we can't have that same mentality we can't think that we can we can make all of these decisions based on with using just our own logic using our own skills using our own intellect we need to be dependent on god in every decision that we make that's what it means to be all in all in doesn't mean we, we rely on God for certain decisions in our life. All in means that you're relying on God for every single decision you make. 100% of the decisions you make, who, where's, what school you go to, who you marry, all of these decisions from minor and major decisions, you are going to God because you acknowledge the fact that you can't go through life without God. That's what, you, well, that's what humility is. Knowing that you can't do it by yourself. We need to stop giving ourselves the glory after a victory. Because what happens when we give ourselves the glory is our egos inflate and we blow ourselves up. We need to start giving God the glory. Stop thinking that we can tackle life all on our own. And lastly, on Thursday night, Pastor Tim delivered the message on Amaziah's fourth and final area of weakness. And for us to establish this point, we went back to another king in 2 Chronicles uh, 12. So we went back to 2 Chronicles chapter 12, and we looked at another king. And let's, uh, I'll read verses 13 and 14, and just follow along. It says, So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem, and he reigned, for Rehoboam was one in forty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nema and Ammonites, And verse 14, he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. At the end of his life, it says that Rehoboam did evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. This was also the verse that we use for our quiet time devotions. All of the quiet time devotions was pointed to this this idea of preparing our hearts to seek the Lord. And we went through different topics, but Rehoboam, and at the end of his life, was his review was that he did evil because he didn't, he didn't seek the Lord. And Amaziah shared this same area of weakness. And it's called what, teens? What's the fourth point? Misplaced worship. God ought to be. God is the only one deserving of our full devotion and our soul worship. He's the only one worthy of receiving this. But what often happens, we end up worshiping other things in place of God. For some people, it's our wealth. We care more about our money than we do about our relationship with God. We care more about finding ways in life to get more money, and we focus on that more than our own relationship with God. For many teens, they even start, wor- they place their worship in music, song artists. We talked about the fact that music is one of the most influential things now in in the new generation. Because everybody's always wearing AirPods, 24-7. They always have AirPods on. They're listening to either a video or a song. And these songs are constantly playing in their ears. And they start worshipping the music artist behind their favorite songs. A lot of these guys are not even godly. They're unsaved. Some of them may, may claim they're saved, but they're not living like it. For some, we place our worship, our devotion, to the thought of finding a girl or a guy to date. We pursue the opposite gender. We pursue our relationship more than we pursue our relationship with God. For others, we worship ourselves. That was the point. It was called the mirror point. We look at the mirror, and the man or the woman we see in the mirror, that's who we worship. We give in to vanity. We care more about how we look, how we dress, how we fit in with society. And when something good happens in our life, when we experience victory, who do we give glory to? We give the glory to ourselves. Instead of crediting that victory to God. And sometimes, we can even start, this was the last point, we can even start worshiping our parents. Placing our devotion to our parents. And don't get me wrong, parents are vital. Incredibly important in any child's life. But there's only one who deserves our soul worship. And that is God. We need to model our walk. We need to model our, model our talk, our character and our actions after the example of Jesus Christ. It's fine to maybe look up to certain godly influences. But in some areas, we can't, cop- we can't replicate their life completely because we'll also end up imitating their flaws the character of flaws that they have. If you want to imitate anybody, we ought to be imitating Jesus Christ, the only person who has set a perfect example for us to follow. Pastor Tim brilliantly illustrated this again with the, with the, the matter of taking a... Pe- it was hard to explain. I can't even do it without the paper. He, he could barely explain it to, the, to uh, Leland, I think. Leland could barely get it with the thing in front of him. So it's hard for me to explain it to you guys. Anyways, just know that Pastor Tim gave a great illustration. I just can't explain it and do it justice. But if we are going to follow anybody, don't follow, you know, we can look up to people, but ultimately we have to follow and set Jesus as, our, as the example for, for us to um, follow after, the, the footsteps that we, off, that we have to follow after. And in short, we see the Amaziah the reason why, that, that he was not all-in for God was because he struggled with bad influences, he was selectively obedient, he had pride in himself, and he had misplaced worship. And these are the things that prevented him from serving with a perfect heart. We have the privilege of having an example of what not to do, of what not to follow from the life of Abimeziah. And wouldn't it be foolish for us to fall for the same traps that Amaziah did, knowing already what would happen if he would do the exact same things that he fell for. In order for us to be all-in for God, we need to make sure to deal with each of these areas of weakness. But honestly, it all boils down to this. Is being an all-in Christian something that you're even interested in? Is that something that you even desire? Or could you care less if you served God with an imperfect heart? Because if your desire is to be all in for God, you would pursue each of these areas of weakness fervently. And you would try to improve in all of these things. But it starts with a desire. And I pray that all of us tonight, teens, children, and adults, young adults, will strive to serve God with an all-in heart. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to call up Pastor Tim to close us in a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today.